Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetective. Today's, today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis at support.greatdetectives.net. And I want to thank Peter and RA for supporting the program that way. You can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month, and I want to thank Daryl coming on board at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. And I want to thank Mary coming aboard at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Again, thank you so much for your support. Well, now it is time for the adventures of Sam Spade. The original air date, July 25th, 1948, and the title is The Mad Scientist Keeper. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic, the non-alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil, again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Sam Spade, Detective Agency. This is Mad Scientific Detective number 137596. Sam, no matter what anyone says, I'll stand by you. You're nothing of the sort. Not scientific? Of course not. You're two-fisted. Well, thanks, Effie. And that ain't all, Effie. I was actually mistaken for a convolutional melancholiac. Oh, Sam, are you all right now? Wrong diagnosis, Angel. It turned out to be melancholia catatonica. Oh, you poor darling. What is that? Well, it's a thing where you lie motionless and silent with fixed eyes and indifference to surroundings. Unquote. Sam, what happened to you? What hospital are you in? Can I bring you anything? No, Effie, I am now at large. Pull down the blinds, check the corridors for men in little white coats, and set a bottle in the window if the coast is clear. Oh. I'll be right down to dictate my report on the mad scientist caper. Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama, join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. Nobody has to tell you that a neat personal appearance can have a lot to do with helping you get ahead on the job. Now, the first step to a good appearance is well-groomed hair. And I mean hair that's groomed with Wild Root Cream Oil. Wild Root Cream Oil always grooms the hair neatly and naturally. It relieves dryness, removes loose dandruff. Yes, men, to look your best at all times, spruce up with Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. And now, with Howard Duff starring a spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all in the adventures of Sam Spade. Why is it so dark in here? Well, I had to put the lights out. The blinds stuck. I couldn't get it down. The heat's off, Effie. Let there be light. Oh. 
Oh, I'm so glad. Now, let me look at you. Don't look at me like that and stop whispering. Oh, Sam. Did you get me all upset like that just for a joke? It's no joke, sweetheart. You really sick? Yeah, just sick of some of the types I made in this business. Oh, Sam. Uh, date, uh, July 25, 1948. To Detective Lieutenant Dundee, homicide detail, San Francisco Police, from Samuel Spade, license number 137596. Subject, the mad scientist caper. I worry so. Uh, dear Dundee, he uh, looked like a mad scientist, and that's exactly what he was. His eyes had a wild gleam in them, his hair was a wild tangle, and he was wearing a wild assortment of clothing that looked as if they'd been slept in in shifts. He leaned across the desk at me and said, They have stolen my secret formula. They have? Gee, that's too bad. Oh, you think I'm crazy? I don't know yet, I just met you. My name is Raymond Fox. Did that mean anything to you? Raymond Fox, uh, yeah, I think it does, but I don't quite remember what. I invented the helioscope. Helioscope. No, that wasn't it. I also synthesized hydroxylamophotocraniton. That was it. Yes, but unfortunately, production costs were prohibitive. Uh-huh, but you didn't let that discourage you. Oh, no, 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 indeed. You see, after a brief illness, I was back in my laboratory perfecting my greatest contribution to science, what may prove to be the greatest contribution of science to humanity. I call it Penetron. Penetron. That is what they have stolen, the secret formula for Penetron. Penetron, huh? Now, uh... What exactly is Penetron, Mr. Fox, and who are they? Uh, well, Penetron is a plastic with a molecular structure which repels atomic radiation more efficiently than lead, yet weighs less than aluminum. Oh, that. Do you realize the significance of this? Well, uh... And imagine, imagine a motor no larger than a cigar box with a power potential that even I don't believe, but they do. Who's they? Grierson Enterprises. Now, how do I know this? When I applied to the patent office to protect my discovery, I received this letter. Here, go on. Read it for yourself. Uh, Commissioner of Patents, Washington, D.C. Dear Mr. Fox, your application for patent on formula designated under the trade name Penetron is hereby rejected. Uh Ah, you see. Both formula and trade name, together with descriptive material identical to yours, have been registered by Mr. Albert Grierson, Grierson Enterprises, San Francisco. Very truly yours, George Sherman, Acting Deputy Assistant Commissioner. There, there, there. You, You see? Uh, Yes. You don't need a detective, Mr. Fox. What you need is a good patent lawyer. Lawyer? I have one. A legal ball of fire named Roscoe Manning. You know this scoundrel? Yeah, he's got an okay reputation. And I am paying for it. $3,000 in retainers. And now he tells me he can do nothing. Insufficient evidence, he says. What is this outfit, Grierson Enterprises? Yeah, a snare and a delusion with, with rented furniture, unscientific ventilation, and dirty work at the switchboard. Mm-hmm. How did they get hold of your formula? Well, it must have been while I was ill. They came and took it away. Out of your laboratory? Oh, well, what does it matter where? I've got to start someplace. Start with the man. I promise you he's a crook. If he steals from me, he's stolen from others. If we can prove that, then I have a case. Well, I can't promise you anything, Mr. Fox, but I'll see what I can do. Uh, uh, will $100 be enough for your retainer? Too much. 25 now, and the balance if I can do anything for you. I doubted if I could even earn the 25 but if he wanted to gamble, it was okay with me. The officers of Grierson Enterprises were pretty much as he described them, a beautiful front, especially at the switchboard. Grierson Enterprises, good afternoon. 
No, Mr. Grayson's out of town. No, I don't know when to expect it. I'll be right with you. That's good news. Grayson Enterprises. No, he is not. No, I do not, and he doesn't want to talk to you in any case, Mr. Manning. Oh, if it would just stop. Can't you shut it off? I might as well. Nobody seems to believe me anyway. You aren't looking for him, too, I hope. Oh, please, just tell me you're selling magazines or collecting salvage or just anything. My card. Oh, detective. Mr. Grayson hasn't done anything, has he? That's what I want to find out. My client says he swiped his secret formula. Oh, not that maniac. You don't look the type. You know he's mad, don't you? Maybe yes, maybe no. Personally, I'm crazy about money. Mad money, pin money, or dirty money. Uh, your employer didn't happen to leave any lying around, did he? No, but he has a charge account at a bar downstairs in the building, and it's nearly 5 o'clock. Could you cross-examine me there? I thanked her as gallantly as I could under the circumstances. She said, wait here, I won't be in a minute. And while she was gone, I made a quick frisk of the office. The file cabinet was empty. Grierson's desk contained nothing but two unsharpened pencils, tobacco crumbs, a rubber band, some rusty paper clips, an old gas bill, a glass ampule, broken, labeled sodium denadrine for intravenous injection, and a business card from one Roscoe Manning, attorney at law. I stuck the card in my pocket, went back to the switchboard, and in less time than it takes to tell, I was calling her Lois, and she was calling me Sam over cocktails for two. That's all I know about it. I didn't think anything about his taking his correspondence out of the files. He often took work home with him. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you saw him? Oh, it's been nearly six weeks. You haven't heard from him in all that time? Mm. He was with Mr. Fox just before he left. They had a terrible quarrel. But then Mr. Grayson managed to get him calmed down, and they left the office together. And that's the last time you saw Grayson, huh? Yes, and it's all very strange. What did that maniac tell you? That Grayson swiped his invention. Do you believe that? I didn't even believe in the invention. Now I'm beginning to think it was worth stealing. Oh, Mr. Grierson wouldn't. He's a brilliant man, you know. Uh, what else has he invented? Well, I don't know. He always had a lot of projects, but of course he never took me into his confidence. Just exactly what is your job? Oh, it's quite simple, really. I just tell people he isn't in. Yeah. Look, uh, sweetheart, you really mean to tell me it never occurred to you that there might be something slightly fishy about Grierson Enterprises? I know. Why should it? Because there's a smell of red herring up there. It's in the air. You mean Mr. Grayson's a crook? Well, what does that make me? Worry that out on his time. Drink up. She looked as if she were telling the truth. Though with women, especially blue-eyed women, that doesn't always mean anything. If she had anything more to tell, she obviously wasn't ready yet to tell it. I asked her to come up and listen to my Herb Jeffries records... She said my apartment needed a woman's touch. I handed her a broom. She hit me on the head with it and left. And so to bed. Up the times and phoned my client. He wasn't in. Then I phoned a guy I know who sometimes knows about things and asked him what sodium denadrine was. He said it was a sedative and or truth serum, a mental-type drug. I wondered what Grierson had been using it for during office hours. I also wondered what else he'd been spending money for. I phoned another guy who knows about other things, and he called me back with the name of Grierson's bank, Golden Gate Trust. An hour later, to my surprise, I actually had something to go on. Because in the past six weeks, checks totaling 50,000 bucks had been deposited to Grierson's account, all drawn on the Citrus Exchange Bank of San Anselmo, and all bearing the signature of one Carl Birdwell, M.D. He wasn't hard to find. It was a big place on the outskirts, and the sign on the gate said, Mary F. Hotchkiss Hospital for the Mentally Deranged. 
Dr. Birdwell's cottage was one of five without bars on the window. He was spraying his roses. Ah! Oh, that's cystectomy of Dr. Kobler's. How are those convulsions? Uh, Coordination all right? I uh, can't complain. Got the use of your fingers back? Good. Pick up those shears. I want all those ragged edges. Cut off the hedges. Well, why don't you uh, hire a gardener out of those uh, checks to Grierson use up all your ready cash? Eh? Oh, I thought you were the cystectomy. Good Lord, you're that convolutional melancholiac. You're not allowed out on the grounds. God! God! Uh, now, wait a minute, Doctor. Matter. This one acting up. Take him back. I sent for the cystodectomy. This is the wrong man. You're huh? crazy. Come Don't on. Let go man. of me. I'm not a patient here. I'm a detective. Yeah, and I'm I'm Sherlock Holmes. Come on, now back to the violent war. Come on, lay off. I got an office in San Francisco. I can prove it. One three seven five nine six. Okay, Doctor Watson, but come on, come on. And in more time than it takes to tell, due to the guard's jujitsu, I was disrobed, straight-jacketed, and rolled into a wet sheet. A full-fledged inmate of the Mary F. Hotchkiss Hospital for the Mentally Deranged, which is exactly where I belong for having taken Mr. Fox's 25 bucks. The makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting the weekly Sunday adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. you want the well-groomed look that helps you get ahead socially and on the job, listen. Recently, thousands of people from coast to coast who bought Wild Root Cream Oil for the first time were asked, how does Wild Root Cream Oil compare with the hair tonic you previously used? Better than four out of five who replied said they preferred Wild Root Cream Oil. And no wonder, Wild Root Cream Oil grooms the hair neatly and naturally, relieves annoying dryness, and removes loose dandruff. What's more, non-alcoholic Wild Root Cream Oil is the only leading hair tonic that contains soothing lanolin. So ask for Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. By the way, smart girls use Wild Root Cream Oil, too. And mothers say it's grand for training children's hair. And now, back to the mad scientist caper. Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade. I have been shot, stabbed, slashed, pistol-whipped, and sapped into unconsciousness. But until you have spent a night rolled up in a wet sheet, Dundee, you don't know what punishment is. You feel hot and cold at the same time, too miserable to sleep, too exhausted to stay awake... And after four hours of it, you just give up and join the crazies pushing up the daisies. There's only one thing I can say in favor of the Mary F. Hotchkiss Hospital for the Mentally Deranged. They get the patients up early. By 6.30 in the a.m., I had been rolled out of the sheet. By quarter of seven, I had thawed out enough to be taken out of the straitjacket by an orderly. I was glad to be out of it because it was very heavy, and that gave me an idea. I picked it up and swung it. In less time than it takes to tell, I was in the orderly's uniform, out of the violent wing, and shuffling up the walk through Dr. Birdwell's rose garden and through his cottage door. Good morning, Dr. Birdwell. Good, good Lord, who let you in here? What do you want? I was trying to tell you yesterday when I was so rudely interrupted. Hey? Oh, yes, the detective. Did you say Grierson sent you? I didn't say that. 
I'm afraid you'll have to be absolutely specific or I can't help you. All right. My client is an inventor who claims that Mr. Grierson stole a formula from him, got a patent on it, and stands to profit to the tune of about a million bucks. The last two items check. I don't know whether Grierson's a crook or not. He's into you for 50,000 bucks, so you might know. Uh, this inventor. Pale eyes, contracted pupils, big mop of hair. That's a fair description. Fox. Raymond Fox. He's a patient. Escaped from this hospital. That man, Mr. Spade, is a homicidal maniac. If you'll jog your memory, you may recall the case. Sacramento, 1935. Sacramento. Wait a minute. Chemistry professor, lab explosion? That's the case. Two of his colleagues, whom he irrationally suspected of stealing the formula for the explosive he used to blow them up. You sure they didn't? The man was adjudged hopelessly insane. He must be returned to us. He may murder Grierson, he may murder you. But he will commit a murder if he remains at large. Perhaps more than one murder. You must help us, Spade. Like you, Doctor, I can't help unless you're absolutely specific about a couple of things. Your connection with Grierson, for instance. I invested in Grierson's firm. Uh-huh. How did Fox meet Grierson? He was allowed a certain degree of freedom here during his rational period. I, I guess that he went through my papers or overheard one of my conversations with Mr. Grierson. Mm-hmm. Did you know he retained a lawyer? Huh? Manning, smart patent lawyer. You must think Fox has a case. Surely not. Grierson thinks so, too. You've talked to Grierson? No, but I've examined his bank statements. The bank allowed that? I told him I was Grierson's attorney. The point is, Grierson is broke. Why? Because he's paid out every penny you gave him to the order of Roscoe Manning, attorney at law. And you know what I think, Doctor? Yes? I think Raymond Fox is crazy like a fox. <laughs> I had the same idea about Dr. Birdwell, but I didn't say so. I didn't feel up to spending another night in a wet sheet. I also didn't feel up to the interview that was awaiting me outside the gates. A limousine, only a little longer than a hearse, was standing at the curb. A round pink head with a gray Homburg on it bobbed out at me from the driver's seat and said... Mr. Spade? Yeah? Roscoe Manning, how'd you do? About 49975 bucks less than you've done in the caper so far. <laughs> the law is a lucrative profession, my boy. <laughs> uh, get in. I'll drive you back to town. No charge? Uh, I'll even give you some free advice, sans retainer. Well, sir, <laughs> you were an elusive chap. I've had the devil's own time catching up with you. How did you? I won't ask why. Well, I am not without resources. Now, uh, as to our mutual client, Mr. Fox, uh, obviously you've learned a good deal about him. Dr. Birdwell says he's cuckoo, and it's only a toss-up which one of us he's going to blow up first. Well, just about what you'd expect from a medical man. If you'd listened to as much conflicting medical testimony in court as I have, you'd take them all with a grain of salt. Or should I say, soda mint. Or uh, sodium denadrine? That's a mysterious remark. I was just trying it on for size. It didn't fit. Mm -hmm. Well, sir... Here is my proposition. As to Fox's sanity, it's of no importance. He has money, and I think he has a case. We can always get a doctor to say he's back in his right mind. Where do I fit into your scheme? You just keep looking for Grierson. And uh, watch that secretary of his. I don't trust her. Anything else? Oh, I, I almost forgot. Here's $500, and here's your ticket to Chicago. <laughs> I don't know why, but somehow I got the impression that Mr. Manning was trying to get rid of me. He should have used that ticket to Chicago himself. 
We stopped at Sausalito for breakfast, and the condemned man ate a hearty meal. We drove the last mile through the marina district and pulled up in front of his house. Well, sir, have a nice trip. Well, uh, take the car, Mr. Spade. I'll pick it up at the depot. Uh, goodbye. It's been charming. Goodbye. He backed across the sidewalk, waving, and I waved back. Then he went up three steps, put a key in his door, and opened it. It didn't do much damage to the house, but all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Roscoe Manning back together again. I got out of the car and just made it up the steps when it happened again. I hated the look, but I did. Where the limousine had been parked with me in it was a smoking heap of scrap metal. I then headed for the nearest phone booth and pausing only to inspect it for mines and booby traps, dialed the number of Grierson Enterprises. Grierson Enterprises? Lois, Sam Spade. Sam, darling, thank you for the present. What present? I haven't had a chance to open it yet, but I think I can guess what it is. A traveling clock. You mean a package arrived and it ticks? Oh, darling, don't be such a tease. Now, Lois, listen. Oh, Throw it out the window. No, don't do that. Pedestrians, innocent bystanders. Uh, have you got a metal wastebasket there? I think so, yes. Well, fill it up with water and throw the package into it. And ruin my lovely clock? It is not a lovely clock. It's a lovely booby trap. Oh, go on. I'm You're... serious. Manning just got one of them, and what's left of him is on the way to the morgue. Oh, I think I'm going to see. Lois! Lois! Wake up! Pour some water on yourself! Hello, hello! <laughs> Let me through here. Come on, let me through. Lois. Lois. Oh, you're okay. Glad of that. All right, she's all right now, you people. Come on, get out of here. She's all right. Come on, get up. You're not hurt. What happened? Exploded in the water. At least you had sense enough to do what I told you to. Oh, this is a new dress. Now look at it. It looks fine. Here, put this coat around you. I don't think that was a very funny joke, Sam. Neither do I. Now, uh, try and forget your clothes for a minute. And try and answer a few questions for me. There isn't much time. Sam, what is it? I want you to be very sure of this, Lois. Try and remember accurately. How many people has grass and seen since he opened this office? Well, not very many. It was hardly ever in. It's strange. Now that I think of it, I can only remember two. Mr. You... Manning and that mad scientist man, Mr. Fox. Yeah, did you hear any of the conversation between Grierson and Fox? Uh, he just screamed at Mr. Grierson about how his invention had been stolen from him. Then it sounded as if they scuffled, and all of a sudden, Mr. Fox calmed down. Mm -hmm. When they came out, his eyes looked funny, as if he'd been hypnotized. Yeah. Uh, what does uh, Grierson look like? Oh, he must have been quite handsome at one time. He's sort of like Gregory Peck with a mustache, only fatter and balder and older. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have put it exactly like that, but I can see what you mean. But you've never seen him. Don't make book on it, but I think I have. I made three phone calls. One to a crime reporter I don't like very well, giving him a false story on the death of Lois, Grierson's secretary. Another to my client, the mad scientist, alias Raymond Fox, and one to Dr. Birdwell. Then I went to my apartment and waited. My client arrived five minutes before the doctor. When Birdwell came in, my client said, Ah, that's he. He stole my secret formula. Oh, now, Raymond, you're getting confused again. Oh. I'm the doctor, don't you remember? Th th that's not true. Your name is Grierson. Oh. He's much worse. He's identification. You must try to remember, Raymond. Nobody's going to hurt you. Uh, 
But you'll be much sicker if you don't remember. But I do remember. I remember everything. Do you remember setting the bombs at Manning's house and the one you sent to Mr. Grierson's office? No, 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 no. Grierson isn't dead. You're Grierson. No, Grierson isn't dead. Only that poor girl. No, no, no. She didn't steal my formula. It, it was you. Oh, you're trying to mix me up. I'm trying to help you. Now, roll up your sleeve. I'll give you something to quiet no. your nerves and we'll go back to the hospital. Put it away, doctor. You've helped them enough. Huh? Now, look here. This man is my patient. He needs medical attention. I won't argue with you, but I think he'd better get it from some other doctor. Right now, he's making more sense than you are. Ah, Just ah. keep on the way you're going, Spade, and I'll have you back in that wet sheet. I did it once, and I can do it again. Sit down. <laughs> you got delusions of grandeur. <laughs> Stop shaking, Raymond. I said you're making more sense than he is, and I can prove it. You think you're very astute, don't you? No, I'm stupid, but I'm lucky. I should have tumbled to the whole caper when I found that you'd invested 50,000 smackers in Grierson Enterprises. When I found out that Raymond was an escaped patient, I should have tumbled to what that Denadrine vial was doing in Grierson's desk. I should have known then that you and Grierson were one and the same person. <laughs> I, I, I told when you. When I discovered that you'd paid Manning all that shakedown money, I should have known you were planning to knock him off and everybody else who could identify you. But it didn't work out that way. I got out of the car before it blew up. Dumb luck. And you can identify me as Grierson? I don't have to. <laughs> oh, God. Surely you're not counting on Raymond's sanity to that extent. He can't even remember that I was his doctor. Can you, Raymond? You're trying to mix me up. You stole my formula. I didn't kill them, did I, Mr. Spade? Now, lie down on the couch and relax, Raymond. Don't worry about a thing. Well, doctor, what now? You relax, too. Okay, Lois, come on in. What? Lois! Why, Mr. Grierson, have you been sick? How dare you? How dare you ruin all my plans like this? You stupid girl! Oh, oh, oh. Okay, that's enough. Come on, get back there. Get back. Sorry, sweetheart. I didn't mean to let him get that close to you. What were you trying to do? It was an experiment, just to see what would happen. It did. So that's the way your scientific detectives work. For a hard-boiled chap, you have the vaguest way of doing things I ever heard of. Well, uh... Plans are all right sometimes, Doctor, and sometimes just stirring things up is all right if you're tough enough to survive and keep your eyes open so you see what you want when it comes to the top or something. Uh, Spade, Dundee, I'm at home. I've uh, got two homicidal characters here, one sane and one insane. Now, if you can tell the difference, I'll let you give the story to the papers. And that, Lieutenant D, is the crop. You, uh, picked the wrong one. Figures. It's as simple as this. Raymond Fox was the loony, but Birdwell, alias Grierson, conceived and executed the whole scheme, including the explosions. Don't worry about Fox. He's now back at the hospital working on a new secret formula. I don't know what it is, but it might be an anti-truth serum serum, because that's how Birdwell got the Penetron formula, by using truth serum on the mad scientist to make him talk. Any way you figure it, he's crazy like a fox. His enemies are all dead or on their way, and he's as snug as a rug in a bug house. Period. End of Looney Tune. Well, of all... Well, just imagine. Well, it takes all sorts to make a world, I guess. Well, I guess you never spoke a truer word, Effie, but don't forget, a stitch in time saves nine. Don't feel too badly about it, Sam. Better late than never. You took the words right out of the horse's mouth, but it's later than you think, Angel. Type that up, Angel, and while you're at it, see if you can think up a way to teach an old dog new tricks. 
say, mister, if you haven't tried Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic, why not get it tonight or first thing tomorrow? You'll be glad you did, for Wild Root Cream Oil grooms your hair neatly and naturally without giving it that plastered-down look. Wild Root Cream Oil also relieves annoying dryness and removes loose, ugly dandruff. Simply step up to your drug or toilet goods counter and ask for Wild Root Cream Oil in the big economy bottle and the handy new tube that's easy to pack when you travel. Also, ask your barber for a professional application of Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Well, here it is, Sam. And I've been thinking over what you said. Which? About teaching an old dog new tricks. Mm -hmm. You're only as old as you feel, Sam. Then send in the application for my old age pension. Oh, Sam, I won't let you talk that way now. You're just tired and nervous and run down. Yeah, backaches, stay up nights, sour racket. You're just feeling sorry for that Mr. Fox. I wouldn't worry about him. As you pointed out, he's safer where he is for all concerned. Mm -hmm. And after all, necessity is the mother of invention. What's that got to do with anything? Well, he's an inventor, isn't he? Oh, that. You see? All's well that ends well. Good night, Sam. Good night, Pollyanna. Pollyanna. Oh, she's a glad girl. Oh, no, Sam, that's Shakespeare, that old... You know best. All ashore that's going ashore. Good night, sweetheart. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Dove. Lorene Tuttle is Effie. The Adventures of Sam Spade are written for radio by Bob Tallman and Gil Dowd, with musical direction by Lud Gluskin. Gil Dowd directed tonight's broadcast in William Spears' absence. Join us again next Sunday for another adventure with Sam Spade. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil, again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. This is Dick Joy reminding you to... Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie, it keeps your hair in trim. You see, it's non-alcoholic, Charlie, it's made with soothing lanolin. You better get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie, start using it today. You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie, keeping all the gals away. Hiya, Baldy, get Wild Root right away. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. A great story. I, I always feel like with the Sam Spade episodes, they managed to pack a lot of story and twist into the half-hour program. I did actually legitimately crack up when Sam took the secretary to his house. She said it uh, needed a woman's touch, and he handed her a brew. I could totally see Sam doing that. I don't blame her for her reaction. I think that was the appropriate thing to do. 
By the way, I think she was played by Marie Wilson. I don't generally venture out on limbs about voice actresses, but that sounded like Marie Wilson, best known as Irma in My Friend Irma. If anyone's got a better identification, I'm definitely open to it, but that's my best guess on that. Unfortunately, the episode doesn't have a cast list at the end, and Martin Graham's book, unlike John Abbott's book on Johnny Dollar, which does include cast information from the script, uh, Graham's book on Sam Spade doesn't, although it's possible that the cast just wasn't listed for Sam Spade scripts. Okay, now something I'm going to try to do this week, and uh, at this point I, I would probably have a blog post up about it, but I'm going to talk to a wider audience, listens to the podcast, is I'm going to offer some recommendations. I was reading my Twitter feed, and someone who tweets a lot about podcasting, wrote a post in which she asked, how often do you recommend other episodes in a podcast? I don't actually do that all that frequently. You know, I think a lot of podcasting advice I kind of have to take and adapt. And certainly if something's like on the nose, like we did this back in this episode, I will mention it. I don't often recommend what she suggested, which is episodes where if you're like this one, you might like something else. And I think that's because I don't remember the plots of all the individual episodes uh, we've done over... 3,800 plus shows. And when, you, of course, when you're dealing with drama, it's, it's rare that it's like a one-for-one one thing. You like the plots and plot twist of this episode, you'll like this other one. But what I am going to do this week is, uh, for each of the six programs that we're doing, I will recommend one program that we have done that you might want to check out if you enjoy it. Because I often cite to biglist.greatdetectives.net, which is a great tool if you know uh, what programs you're interested in or would like. But there are people who listen to the podcast who don't know about all of the old-time radio programs. So we're going to start with Sam Spade. And this one is tough just because Sam Spade is in many ways a unique program. You know, at the core of it is a playful, fun wordplay between Sam and Effie. The general humor and just the character of Spade, there's not an exact match. However, if you're enjoying Sam Spade, you might want to check out Richard Diamond. It's a great series starring Dick Powell as private investigator Richard Diamond. There's a lot of humor. There's some great romantic banter between him and his girlfriend. Of course, it's not an exact match. I think there's probably more violence in Richard Diamond and definitely a lot more singing. Still, if you like Sam Spade, I think there's a good chance you'll enjoy Richard Diamond as well. And you, we did that, I think, seasons 7 through 9. Uh, you can check that out over at uh, biglist.greatdetectives.net and find the link to Richard Diamond. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback. And we start with an email from Barbara who writes, The Mr. First Nighter program was fun. I wonder if Lou Derman was involved in this. He wrote for All in the Family, among other shows, and was very involved with Magic uh, Castle. Check out 
uh, his bio, he was an old-time radio writer. Well, thank you so much, Barbara. And I've listened to a lot of Lou Derman's uh, work. He wrote for Life with Luigi, and I'm a huge fan of that series. And I would not be surprised if he had uh, written th uh, that uh, sketch. It, it did seem consistent with his style of humor. Then we have a comment from uh, YouTube, and Eileen uh, comments regarding the gold key caper. And if you recall, I warned about that one that in the intro that the sound quality was not good. Eileen writes, Oof! You were not kidding, Adam. This is probably the worst. My husband wondered if some of the deep fake AIs out there might be able to help reconstruct the voices from uh, the samples from other episodes. Well, that's a good question, Eileen. And I'm not uh, an expert on it. Uh, I think it's the type of thing that might be possible sometime in the future. But as of right now, it is a really expensive uh, technology. And old-time radio is not particularly commercially viable. So I doubt we will find out uh, anytime soon. You know, I, I did, when I read your question, I thought about the possibility of recovering lost uh, scripts, you know, using deep fakes of actors, and then I would definitely not be interested in, you know, going that route where you've got, you know, no actual performance to go on and you're trying to replace the power of the human performance with a machine. But, you know, from what I've read I and heard, I listened to like, a few episodes of the Malicious Life podcast. I think that the ability to do something like take a program where a lot of bits of audio are bad, but you can kind of tell some of the intonation and you've got a bit of sample of what they said and, you know, kind of using that to reconstruct it and make it listenable might be something that could be doable. I know that so many of the much improved encodes that we have for old-time radio programs have come from volunteers. A lot of people who are retired, you know, learning systems and technology, uh, doing first-generation transfers, doing some uh, cleanup. So all we need is... Uh, for some of the price of software to come down and for someone to decide that using uh, deep fakes to clean up old-time radio is a worthwhile prospect, and we might uh, hear how it works. I, I would be open to using that to correct some uh, poor quality older programs, but again, not you know replicating programs from scratch. Thanks so much for the comment. Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Laster, Patreon supporter since March, currently supporting us at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Laster. And that will do it for today. If you're not subscribed to this podcast already, subscribe using your favorite podcast app including Apple Podcast, Overcast, TuneIn, Spreaker, or the Amazon Music Store at amazon.com slash otrdetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. We will be back next Monday with another adventure of Sam Spade, deep fake free. But join us back here tomorrow for I Hate Crime, where... How long have you been in here, Kent? Oh, a while. How long? 
About a quarter of an hour. Anybody come in? No. Fellow with a bullet in him? Bullet, huh? Yeah. Well, that's interesting, but the answer is still no. We chased him through the streets. We think he may have entered this building. Well, he's not here, Sergeant. I'll, uh, I'll open the desk drawers if you like. I didn't ask for any cracks. Well, I'm just trying to help, Sarge. How about the broom closet or the, uh, the safe? Ah. What do you want him for? Murder. Hmm. Did you guys put the bullet in him? No. How do we killed him? Well, how many wasting my time here? Yeah. Oh, what's the guy's name? Uh, in case I see him. We don't know. Keep your door locked. I'm giving the same instructions to everybody in the building. Right, Sarge. I locked the door. Sat behind my desk again. Half an hour passed. I went to the window. The prowl cars were gone. I lit a cigarette. And then... Well, holy sp- Lucky thing he didn't didn't take your suggestion about that. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Great Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.